0: Art isn't a competition. Life isn't a competition. We all have our own road to walk. And uh, the way that we walk that and and what we see when we look in the mirror really is the only metric that matters.
1: Welcome to The Resistance, a podcast that features honest discussion with meaningful artists about the opposing forces we all face when moving toward our better selves. I'm your host, Matt Connor. It's hard enough for any of us to find our authentic self. Some of us won't even bother searching for it in the first place, as we become aware of the sheer amount of work it takes to sift through everything that surrounds it. For those of us who lean into the work, it's a lifelong journey to learn who we are and to own that with any real degree of confidence. The journey becomes that much more difficult when you're an artist in the spotlight, like Stephen Kellogg. Even after decades of making music, the singer-songwriter says he's just now finding his authentic self as a musician. On the surface, it sounds silly, until you consider the hard work it takes for any of us. And that steep climb is even more treacherous when dealing with the pressures of public demands. Stephen started his craft as an independent solo artist in the 90s. Fifteen years ago, he formed a band, the Sixers, and it was then he found greater mainstream success, and also pressure. Label execs and industry personnel were telling him to be more country, or less folk, or more rock. Oh wait, less rock. At one time, he's asked to be more like Jacob Dylan and the Wallflowers. Years later, like Adam Levine and Maroon 5, of all things. No matter the specific advice, there was a continual choir telling him to be less like himself, the resistance telling him to hide his authentic self for the sake of the marketplace. These days, Stephen is back to being a solo artist. His most recent release, Objects in the Mirror, is an alt-country masterclass. It should be no surprise that some of his most striking work is being written and recorded at a time where he's most in tune with his authentic self. It's also taken two decades to get here. Then again, anyone who's on that same journey won't be surprised. Time is a necessary part of the equation. On this episode, Stephen Kellogg opens up about his relationship with the Resistance and how it kept him from being his true self for so long. Welcome to the Resistance. Still here in season one. I'm here now with Stephen Kellogg. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing,
0: doing very well. I'm slightly frantic, but
1: I'm essentially very good. Matt, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you carving out some of that frantic space for us to make this happen today. Just to get us going, I'm uh, for at least this first season of the Resistance. Uh, I just want to read a couple sentences from the book that informed the theme of this podcast by Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art. Uh, Pressfield writes this and Stephen, I'd love for you um, just to kind of say where you're at with this quote, if you will. Sure. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. And between the two stands resistance. Just kind of curious for you now as a veteran artist, or even as a family man, like what resistance looks like, what form it's taking for you, your relationship with it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, there's plenty to, plenty to unpack there. Um, I, uh, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a great quote for, you know, because there are all the, all the things that you dream and aspire to and then there's sort of the reality of carrying them out and it, and it, it makes me think of this ad or Instagram or something that I saw recently that said it's not enough to just have a good idea. Like it's a, you need to make a good idea happen, you know? And, uh, and I feel that way in both art. And as you mentioned, family too, you know, it's like, I know that I want to be a great dad and a great husband and the best ever, you know, but what's involved with actually being that you know and how do you actually you know develop the discipline and the skill sets to to carry that out you know and so of course you face that in both art but 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 it's interesting to think that you actually face that in uh in your life and your family life too just trying to be that person that you're striving to be um you know, I guess if I was to think about answer that kind of answer that question for myself, I, I, I think uh, it's it's having enough hours in, a, in the day to to do everything you feel there is that needs to be done. You know, it's maintaining a sense of priorities is, is a resistance element. Uh, on the one hand, I'm leaving for tour in two days. So when your kids say like, Dad, can you do this? Can you play? Can you help? you think, well, that should be my priority, but the, but I also need to leave for that tour one way or another in two days. And I'm either going to be prepared or I'm not. And if I'm not prepared, does that really benefit them for me to go out on the road and not be ready to do the job that they need me to do well, to pay the bills, you know? So it's not as easy as, uh, as it sometimes seems to make that call. And, um, and, uh, you know, the third thing I think really would pop up as a resistance element is patience. I can read a million books about how I'm supposed to respond as a band leader or dad or husband, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to respond that way. You know, when you're working on, you may not have gotten a lot of sleep or just have anxiety or have eaten something that's made you feel bad and you respond completely out of character and that's just the reality of life, you know. So there's th- those are three things that come to mind right off the bat.
1: Sure, it's interesting that when we, you know, are sitting down to do this, and you were talking about the frantic schedule, you know, even earlier when we were kind of getting acquainted here. Uh, that time, don't you think that part of that is is um, is learning? Like you said, there's not enough hours in the day, and I I think for me that, like, I have to learn how to divide the things I think that need to get done versus the things that that you know, like, really do. And uh, and like, uh, how do you do that as a family man? Like, you have four children, is that correct?
0: Yeah, four daughters. Yep.
1: Okay, so you have four daughters. What what are their age ranges?
0: So we have a 13 year old, an 11 year old, an 8 year old, and a 6 year old. Okay, right now. Yeah, we've got all stages of of young wow. youngness happening.
1: <laughs> is that like how difficult is that? Like the scenario that you set up earlier, you want to get in all this fathering time, probably husband time, and also get ready for the road in two days.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's difficult. I think it's difficult for all of us, all of us, uh, all of us parents here, you know, uh, and all of us people. I mean, if it's not kids. It's something else, you know, it's, it's, uh, we all have our various stuff, but I mean, I think it's harder than it, than it actually seems because you think, well, of course, you know, the priority should be, again, should be the family, you know, and you, that's, that's how you do this, right. And, and what's important, you mentioned, you know, knowing what's important. Um, so considering for a second, it's important for me to write this book that I'm writing because I have deadlines and I've promised people this book will come out. Uh, but I end up doing a lot of little odds and ends because mentally I'm just not able to sit down and write unless I have a pretty clean slate of odds and ends. So, so someone could argue, well, you, you know, you're having trouble prioritizing your situation and you're not, uh, you know, you need to put that little stuff aside. But I just have been living with me for f- almost 42 years now. And I know myself well enough to know that. I hear what I hear what you're saying, but really we need, um, we need, you know, I need, I need to get these two hours of odds and ends done and then I'm going to write so much cleaner and, and, and it's going to be, it's going to be easier for me. So in that case, I kind of got to do the little things first, you know, and, uh, I don't always like that, but that's just the reality.
1: Uh, Steven, I'm so glad you brought up the book. You have, um, the, the book is. Uh, from what I can gather, titled the, the same name as the album that's coming that's coming this month, correct?
0: Yeah. So the album album's coming out here in November twenty third, um, and the book will be out March of next year, and they're both called Objects in the Mirror. Uh, although the subtitle of the book is uh, a storyteller's take on what matters most, and it's a collection of essays about the things that I think are the you know the pillar, the most important things, uh, elements to a life well lived.
1: Uh, wh- what's the impetus for you to write a book in the first place?
0: <laughs> it's funny, funny. You asked me that, Matt. I I just turned in a, rev- a revised version of the introduction last night, and it and it speaks to the question why I wrote this book. Um, so it's fresh in my head, but uh, I mean, part of me being. You know, full disclosure, part of me wrote a book just because I just wanted to see if I could do it. You know, (laughs) I just was like, man, let me I have friends who I really respect who've written books. And I thought I want to give this a crack. Um, uh, And then the other, you know, the other the other side that's that's I'm a little more proud of than that uh, is, is that I'm trying to articulate the best things that I've learned so far you know, in my life. I want to pass those on to my friends and to my kids and, and to the people that listen to my music and who've been, you know, honored me by by sort of believing in, in what I do. Uh, and I think that songs are a wonderful way to do that. But I'm sometimes aware of the fact that not everybody likes the same kind of music. And I feel a little limited on occasion by the fact that people are can't get sort of the wisdom for lack of a better word, because maybe they don't listen to the same kind of music that I'm, that I create. And, uh, I thought a book could be an alternative medium that could really allow that more people to sort of benefit from, from the best thoughts that I have, if that makes sense.
1: (sighs) Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. You, you brought up a couple paths. I'd I'd love to go down here, but but the first one being the like the idea that that uh, you know someone doesn't listen to you, maybe Americana or, or whatever you want to whatever you want to term the genre that, that someone wants to place you inside. Um, that the, that the book is different. Do you find that that is also freeing for you? You know, because a song is is a four minute vehicle, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. So you're trying to distill down this wisdom into like three to four catchy minutes that have some sort of you know some sort of formula to it, if you will, or some sort of you know yeah. there's going to be a bridge, yeah. there's going to be, gotta say it, in this many stanzas. A book then allows for, I'm assuming, a lot more f- freedom there, or 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 has that been problematic to sort of not use the same vehicle you've learned how to use album after album and suddenly try to express something without those boundaries?
0: A uh, great question. I, I think it's, it's been wonderful to have a new vehicle that can stretch out more. But having said that it has been so much harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, it is like trying to edit a, two and a half hour song. I mean, you're it's just keeping track of it is the trick, you know, and some uh, fellow authors who I've been able to lean on in this process have confirmed. Yeah, this is, it's, it's a, a lot to wrap one's head around writing a book is, is no joke. Um, and I can't make it go as fast as I can make a song go. You know, I'm, I'm so familiar with that format hmm. that I can kind of, See where I'm hung up most of the time, and know who to bring in. And a book, boy, a book. If you don't have the right support, you can really uh, just crash on it. So this is this has been the hardest piece of art that I've ever had to to get there, and I'm not there yet. I mean, I wrote the first draft. I'm now revising that, but it's I have I have some miles to walk yet, mm-hmm. uh, and I and and I'm I've gotten far enough to know it's going to happen and it's going to be good. But, um, but that doesn't, that's like making a record, you know, when you're halfway through and you're like, okay, this is going to be good, but I'm not about to relax. You know, it's like, (laughs) there's some effort that's still required here. And, um, and I just, um, I actually am having these morose dreams of like, what happens if I die and this doesn't get finished? And I just spent the better part of my year working on an unfinished thing. And that, (laughs) that scares me, you know, it's morbid, but it's, it does go through my head, you know?
1: Is there, you know, you've been, you've been making music for a long time and, and, and your longevity in the business is, is certainly a rarity where I'm sure you've seen several of your peers, you know, move on to other, other things. Uh, But so I don't know how much you can still sort of feel in touch with the way you felt when you first started making music. Do the two feel similar like the way you feel right now, the insecurities or the fears or the, or the confusion Mm -hmm. around the book and trying to like put all that together. Does that feel similar to the way that you remember feeling when you were first sort of finding your footing as a musician?
0: That's a really astute question. Um, And and I think that the answer to that is, is not really, I think it, I think it feels pretty different. Uh, You know, when I was starting with music I was, I knew, I I, it's like, you know, you're creating music because you have, you're sort of called to the lines come into your head and you're, you're doing it. And then you see, you get some attention from it and that's kind of fun. And so you just kind of do it and you're being swept along. This is much more intentional. Hmm. So I, I, I'm making sort of the, the book in a way that is much closer to the way I make music now, you know, I feel there's a there's a maturity to it even though i'm out of my depth on this because i haven't done it a lot but i can sort of see the way forward it, you know i can see how one could get good at this process if one had did it more often in a way that when i was beginning as a songwriter i'm not sure that i knew the way forward you know i'm not sure that i knew that you had to find a way forward i was just kind of it was so cosmic and you just kind of were like, uh, you didn't know what you were supposed to think about it. <laughs> this, I, this, I'm much clearer, like, okay, this is a process. And every time I learn something, I sort of file it away, you know? And so it's, it's, it's pretty different. Um, uh, although like, yeah, I am, I am similarly out of my depth, but I, but I, I, it feels a lot different than I think it, than, than it felt when I was getting sure. going with songwriting. Um, And I wish, and in some ways I wish, I just wish it's a cliche, but you just wish you could have known as a younger artist, the degree to which everything is a process. And the sooner that you start learning, like, okay, this is a process to be learned, then the more you can really get out of the whole thing. And it it cannot be so scary Mm. and daunting, you know, um, you know, and, and knowing that you need, Hey, I'm going to need to learn how to organize a book, you know, or, Hey, I'm going to learn how to need, need, need to learn how to organize, how to write a a catchy chorus. You know, those are things that you just, when I started with music, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to need to do that. I was just sort of throwing darts in the dark and then eventually you learn that, Oh, well I do need to know that. But I wish, I wish I had known that because I think it would have, made songwriting more fun yeah. sooner you know uh,
1: that's that's pretty interesting the, the last time uh, we talked a few years ago and i, I just i was kind of looking back over that transcript just to kind of get a feel and my favorite quote was uh, you said i'm always surprised by how much there is yet to learn if i'm honest i'm a little disappointed that some of this stuff has taken me this long yeah. to really absorb. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like kind of just the same thing even a few years later.
0: Oh man. And 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 what's happened in the last So when did, when did that's when did we have that conversation? Uh
1: that would have been right around the uh the the for the south southwest northeast project.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean even since then you just boy, you just you keep picking things up and and you it vibrates you. You know, your frequency just keeps kind of Intensifying or raising or whatever it is, but um but you ask and sort of provoke really you ask really thoughtful questions and you provoke really interesting thoughts, so I'm not surprised we're stumbling on that same feeling again, but
1: yeah I, I stand by those <laughs> words for sure well let me let me flip the tables there because you know if you want to write a book that's filled with some wisdom, you have to also feel the opposite way, right so we're talking about the side of you that feels like, gosh, there's so much to learn. Wish I'd absorbed it, and yet on the other side, it takes a certain level of confidence to put out something in that way. <laughs> yeah. and, and and the way I wanted to go down that road was I'm listening to the new album, and it feels like uh, I just made this quick note, especially after listening to the track "High Highs, Low Lows," and I and I just wrote, "This sounds like a song that someone could only write after like really experiencing." like a lot in the industry. Like it's, like, it's just, it's a veteran song. Mm. And I just wondered if that was the kind of music you feel like, does that feel like, do you agree with that statement? Or are you too close to it? Like, that's only the kind of thing I would say. And and you can't say that as an artist.
0: No, that sounds right to me. That sounds right to me. I don't think, I don't think you kind of come on the scene and write that one, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I think it just, it it, it's sort of, and there are other songs on the record, too, that I think are, you just have to kind of live them. You know, you have to be where I'm at in this moment in life to sort of be able to uh, have that come out of you and make sense, you know? Um, and and I, I guess just, you know, if I realized sort of something in the last couple of years about my place in music, it was it was just that i'm really good at being me hmm. and i don't know that i'm really good at doing much else you know and i know that might sound a little trite but a lot of what i was trying to do on the labels over the years was they're trying to harness the part of me that's magnetic and marketable and appealing and and so they're looking at what works in the marketplace and saying Stephen, can you connect this side of your personality to this thing that works hmm. and i would try to do that and i would do an okay job of that but hit songs don't really come from anything that's okay they come from something that's really great and super special and you know, I'm a, I'm a pleaser and I wanted to connect to that. I I very much want a lot of people to be able to absorb what I do. I I want that. I want to reach a lot of people and try to do as much good as I can while I'm here on this planet, you know? Um, But I think that I found myself chasing things and not really doing the best. And so when you find yourself without a label, like I have for the last two records You go, what's the silver lining here? What's okay. I'm not with a label anymore. And there's some there's some things that aren't good about that, but what, what could be great about that? And one of the things that could be great about that is, well, let me be myself unapologetically myself across the board in every capacity. Let me say exactly what I want to say. Let the music, let's not worry about if it's too country or it's too this or too rock or too folk or whatever. Let's just be the best, most authentic version of ourselves we can be. And that is what I think this album is in writing the book from the same place. I have a publisher for the book now, but I didn't when I started writing it. And it, it's a freeing concept. Okay, so what do hmm. I want to say? What's important to me to say? Not what's selling, because what's selling is cookbooks. But my version of a cookbook isn't necessarily going to be any good, you know? <laughs> And what I'm doing may or may not be super marketable, but I know if it means as much as it means to me, it's, there are enough people on this planet that it's also going to mean a lot to. And so my goal is to reach them to hopefully be able to make that monetarily bring something back to me that allows me to continue doing the work that I'm doing now. You know, um, that's a long answer, but I, but I think that is the answer to what you were sort of alluding to there.
1: I mean, that's that sounds like a pretty recent discovery then, looking at your catalog. Was there a moment that you, like, do you remember a defined moment that you sort of woke up to that? Like when you realized, gosh, I'm, I'm chasing or I'm people-pleasing versus being myself? Or is that just sort of a slow realization of, well, I'm independent now, and so here we are?
0: Yeah, it, it was a little bit of both because... When you're on the labels, you're just grappling with wanting to do the right thing because they are—they're saying. I mean, I—I have never been on labels where I didn't like the people I was working with. You know, I—I'm I, not saying I've liked every person I've ever worked with, but on the whole, being on labels was always a good thing for me. You know, even when it didn't work out. You know, and so they would say, "We like you." We believe in you. That's why we want to do this. And I would be internally grappling with, well, I don't sing the way, you know, Maroon 5, Adam Levine sings in Maroon 5. So why are we <laughs> referencing them with me? You know, like that doesn't make sense to me. How am I going to do that? And, I, and, you know, I feel like I'm a disappointment if you are you know, how good a Maroon 5 is Stephen Kellogg? (laughs) Not very, you know, and that's the kind of a losing some game to play. So, but that's essentially the game we were playing with whoever it happened to be at the time, whether it was the wallflowers were always a big one. Mm. Could we be that? Could we be this? And, and there are artists that can do that. I mean, there are artists who are very malleable and they change even artists like you too are kind of always evolving to kind of all right, this is going on in music now and now we're gonna do our version of that. And they, they do it authentically. But I that's not really my superpower, you know. My superpower is is being very mm. Stephen Kellogg, you know, and, and I would I would grapple with things like people saying, Well, you can't use so many specific dates and names and then I would turn on the radio and there's the plain white tees having the biggest, the number one song in the country with Hey There, Delilah, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, well, they did it. You know, like, can't I just be, you know, but I always thought that it was a failure on my part. That is something, the part that that was a sort of a new realization was realizing I didn't fail. I just wasn't being as authentically me as I possibly could have been because I was searching so much, you know, and trying to do that. And it felt like I was failing because we weren't having massive commercial success with these things really. And it was only when I started, I made Southwest Northeast and I thought, well, that's not quite it either, but I like sort of being able to be free to try all these different hats on. And then this album that I just made, Objects in the Mirror, was like, okay, this is the hat I think I like the most, Mm. this kind of, you know, alt country rock guy, you know? And uh, so I'm going to put on this hat and I'm going to sing about these things and I'm going to see if I can do this. And I'm not going to worry about like, if I don't think it's a failure, then it's not a failure. And nothing anybody says about it makes it a failure. You know, it's not, we can't use the, I'm not going to use the same metrics that we've been using of sales and, you know, and, and the feedback of others. I'm just going to look at, did I say what I was trying to say and how effectively did I say it? You know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, and that also feels like maybe that comes from age. Maybe that's just something about 41 and just being comfortable enough in your own skin to say like, I'm I'm my, my goal is to be the best version of myself that I can be. It's not to be, I'm not This isn't a competition. Uh, Other it it can feel that way, but it's not. I mean, art isn't a competition. Life isn't a competition. We all have our own road to walk. And uh, the way that we walk that, and, the, and what we see when we look in the mirror really is the only metric that matters.
1: You've been listening to The Resistance. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And for more information and further episodes, you can find us at listentotheresistance.com. Our theme is composed by Chad Howitt. Engineering, production, and additional music by Jay Kirkpatrick. My name is Matt Connor, and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for a special talkback session and join us for our next episode, a conversation with Emmy-winning writer Lynn Renee Maxey.